Welcome to the Good News Ride Home for Friday, July 10th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. Tomorrow is Bowdler's Day. What the heck does that mean? A roundup of all the best apps and extensions for virtually watching movies together with your friends. The real meaning of dog days of summer. A Labrador making home deliveries in Colombia. And yet another creative strategy for filling the empty stands at professional sports games. Here are the cool things from the news today. Tomorrow, Saturday, July 11th, is Bowdler's Day, the day that we celebrate the birth of Thomas Bowdler, the 19th century man so infamous for publishing a book of censored Shakespeare plays that an entire verb was coined in his, uh, honor. Bowdlerize. Oxford Dictionary defines bowdlerize as, quote, to remove material that is considered improper or offensive from a text or account, especially with the result that the text becomes weaker or less effective. And that is exactly what Thomas Bowdler did to Shakespeare's plays, as well as several other classic works, like Edward Gibbon's Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. Thomas Bowdler, a doctor, and his sister, Henrietta, a writer, were huge Shakespeare fans, but found that his plays were often inappropriate, filled with crude language and racy themes. Which is fair. Though it may be difficult to hear or decipher to a modern audience, sometimes most of Shakespeare's works are absolutely filthy, rife with innuendo and often dealing with very adult themes. In fact, I thought I'd maybe read a few of my favorite examples for you of some of the more lewd jokes, but a lot of them are actually way more obscene when you speak them aloud versus reading them in text, so I'm afraid I'd have to mark this podcast as explicit if I did that. So instead, I'll just drop a link for you to check out in the show notes. But that whole thing is part of the problem, as the Boldlers saw it. They wanted to read the plays aloud, as many people did at the time as a sort of recreational activity, but found even without the added miming that an acting troupe might include so that people really got the joke, the texts themselves were simply too inappropriate for a family setting. Thus, The Family Shakespeare, which they published in 1807 with subsequent volumes in later years. The first edition covered 20 of Shakespeare's 37 plays, but in later editions they eventually converted all 37 to a Christian-friendly G rating. Quoting Smithsonian Magazine, Things that were removed in the first edition included about 10% of the original text. To avoid blasphemy, exclamations of God and Jesu were replaced with heavens or omitted altogether. Some of the changes were more drastic. The prostitute character in Henry IV Part II is omitted, while Ophelia's suicide in Hamlet becomes accidental drowning. In some cases, as with Othello, material that was perceived to be inappropriate was impossible to remove from the play. In those cases, Boldler advised that the plays should either be read aloud only in parts, or be transferred from the parlor to the cabinet, where the perusal will not only delight the poetic taste, but convey useful and important instructions to the reader. End quote. Though Thomas gets most of the credit, scholars believe his sister Henrietta might have been responsible for many of the original edits. By the time The Family Shakespeare came out in 1807, Henrietta was already a published author in her own right, so she likely had more skill with things like revising Elizabethan texts than her physician brother did. Then again, the book has been criticized so harshly for ruining the plays with its machete-like sanitized edits that maybe Thomas, the less literary of the pair, was the culprit. 
Either way, it's speculated that if she did work on it substantially, the credit was levied on her brother because no respectable woman of the time should have engaged with or understood the inappropriate pieces of text that they were editing out. While the various editions of The Family Shakespeare were actually quite popular and appreciated throughout the very conservative-on-the-outside Victorian era, they've since become a bit of a joke, or wholly offensive to scholars concerned with preserving the authenticity of Shakespeare's works. And why we celebrate this day, I can't exactly tell you. It does seem like the holiday is mostly kept alive by librarians who are notoriously anti-censorship, and from the various librarian blogs I perused, it seems like they use it as an opportunity to teach about censorship and celebrate ironically. So maybe find some time tomorrow to flip through some of Shakespeare's dirtier passages. Twelfth Night, Much Ado About Nothing, and A Midsummer Night's Dream are usually good for that. Or, I don't know, do some blackout poetry or something to try your hand at a more artful form of boldlerizing. In any case, happy Boldler's Day. As social distancing continues and movie theaters largely remain closed, more and more people are virtually gathering to watch movies together, and major streaming platforms and small startups alike are scrambling to offer convenient options for doing so. Because, let's be real, it's a bit more of a headache than it sounds like. You all need to start the movie at the exact same time, and if you're streaming it, inevitably someone's stream will get disrupted, causing them to be behind everyone else. And if you want to try to video chat while you watch, you have to figure out how to toggle muting the movie and the video chat so that you don't get that echo. Some video call platforms like Zoom allow one person to share their screen, and if that person has stellar Wi-Fi, this seems to work as a pretty good option. I did this for a friend's birthday party. We watched the Flat Earth documentary on Netflix, Bending the Curve, which, wow, just wow. But the technical experience was pretty good. Sometimes it was hard to hear the movie if people were talking or vice versa since it was all on the same audio track, essentially. But, I mean, that's not too different from what it would have been like for an in-person movie night when people are talking. We put the captions on and it worked pretty well. But if your internet speed leaves something to be desired, there are a growing number of apps and browser extensions that you can try instead. Mashable did a great roundup recently. Here are a few that they recommend. First, some of the major streaming platforms have launched their own versions of what third parties had been doing before. Hulu and Amazon Prime Video both have watch party options now. For Hulu, every person who's watching has to have an ad-free Hulu account, so that's kind of a bummer, but if you can all get access to one, just click the watch party option in the show or movie's details. You do have to be on a computer. That's not available on mobile just yet. Although presumably you could use something like a Chromecast to watch on your TV. Hulu Watch Party offers a text chat alongside the streaming show or movie and a sync button to help out when someone's connection falls behind. But that's about it. As Mashable says, it's bare bones, but it works. Amazon's Prime Video Watch Party works basically the same. Everyone needs a Prime account and you get a text chat feature. And it only works in browsers on computers. But not in Safari for some reason right now. Also, it only works for movies and shows that are included in Prime. For example, if you bought or rented something on Amazon, you can't share that with your friends. HBO does not have its own watch party feature yet for any of its confusingly splintered apps, HBO Go, HBO Now, or HBO Max, but it has partnered with third-party Chrome extension Scener, S-C-E-N-E-R, which works for HBO Go and HBO Now. 
You're out of luck if you want to watch HBO Max content with a group, but Scener does also work with Netflix and Disney+, Plus, though they're not in an official partnership with either of them. Scener is a Chrome extension and does require everyone to have the account of the streaming platform that you're using, but the big benefit it has over Amazon and Hulu's native watch party products is that Scener allows video chats. It seems to be slightly less user-friendly than some other options, but nothing the most digitally savvy of your friend group can't handle. It's just toggling microphone and camera options and maybe turning it on and off again a few times. Other than that, Mashable reports, even with the video calls going, it runs just as smoothly as if you were streaming a show solo. Perhaps the most popular app for group watching is Netflix Party, which is not an official Netflix product, but rather a Chrome extension funded by Patreon donations. It only offers group text chat, not video calls, but if that's all you're looking for and you want to watch something on Netflix, it's a strong option. Now, if you're someone who actually owns the digital files of movies or TV shows, you might want to look into Plex. Plex allows you to set up your own media server using files that you own and share them to watch in sync with several friends with their Plex Watch Together feature. This is one of the few options on this list not limited to a web browser. You can watch it on your phone, TV, or console, but it doesn't offer any sort of chat options, video or text, so you'll still need to set that up on your own with another platform. And finally, there's 2.7 which can be used with all of the major streaming platforms, though it'll cost you a $3 pledge to their Patreon to use Hulu or Disney+. But you can also share your own personal video files, and it supports both text and video chats. The only downside? It apparently doesn't run that well. Lots of buffering and crashing, causing poor syncing when watching together. Maybe it'll get better over time, so try it out, keep your eye on it, but maybe don't count on it right now. We have seen massive advancements in these types of products over just the past month even, and as social distancing continues to be our new normal, at the same time that we're living in this paid subscription streaming bubble, I am sure we will continue to see more offerings, especially from some of the major players like Netflix, Disney+, and Apple+. So keep your eyes peeled, but if you need something for a virtual group hang this weekend, check out the article in the show notes for links to all of the ones that I mentioned. Being July 10th, here in the Northern Hemisphere, we are solidly in the dog days of summer. The dog days of summer isn't just a common saying. It refers to an actual period of time, specifically July 3rd to August 11th, which is typically the hottest period of the year. While growing up, I thought that the saying maybe came from the fact that when it's this hot and humid out, you find yourself panting like a dog— It turns out that the dog days actually refer to the dog star Sirius and its position in the sky during this part of the year. Sirius, part of the constellation Canis Major, is the brightest star in the sky no matter where you are on Earth. Quoting Farmer's Almanac, In the summer, Sirius rises and sets with the sun. On July 23rd specifically, it is in conjunction with the sun, and because the star is so bright, the ancient Romans believed it actually gave off heat and added to the sun's warmth, accounting for the long stretch of sultry weather. They referred to this time as dies canicularis, or dog days. Thus, the term dog days of summer came to mean the 20 days before and 20 days after this alignment of Sirius with the sun, July 3rd to August 11th, end quote. Of course, we now know that the warm temperatures during this time period are not caused by extra heat radiating off of Sirius, 
but rather the Earth's tilt. During the summertime, the sun's rays hit the northern hemisphere at a more direct angle and for longer periods of time each day, thus the long, hot days of July and August. So crank up your AC unit, drink plenty of water, and be sure to wear sunscreen if you go out because we have several more weeks of heat ahead of us. Or honestly, if climate change has anything to do with it, probably even more than that. Speaking of dogs, we're going to end today with the story of a very good dog, eight-year-old Eros from Medellin, Colombia. The chocolate Labrador retriever has been helping his family make deliveries to customers all over the neighborhood from their El Porvenir mini-market. Maria Natividad Botero, Eros's owner, says that Eros used to accompany the family on deliveries. And now, to help with social distancing measures, he's been trained to go all on his own. He already remembered the names and locations of some of the customers who had previously given him treats, so he just needed a little practice to get the others down. Eros delivers the bundles of fruits, vegetables, and packaged goods by carrying a straw basket in his jaws. The basket also includes a receipt with the customer's name on it, and Botero says that the customer later pays the family via bank transfer. Botero says that people are thrilled to see Eros when he makes deliveries and frequently rewards him with treats. In fact, he usually won't leave someone's house until they pay him. As coronavirus cases continue to rise in Colombia, increasing social distancing measures and limiting the days that people are allowed to go grocery shopping, this helpful canine may find his new role as an essential delivery worker sticking for quite a while longer. But neither he nor the customers of El Porvenir Mini Market seem too upset by that. Quite the contrary. 10 out of 10, a very good boy. A quick update on my ongoing coverage of sports teams and stadiums finding creative ways to fill the stands while crowds remain banned from attending. The Japanese baseball team, Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks, filled the stadium with dancing robots. Half of the robots were a white humanoid model named Pepper, and the other half were those yellow dog robots from Boston Dynamics. But all of them together performed a choreographed dance that is usually performed by fans before the game begins. Seems like it was a one-time thing only, though, because starting today, July 10th, fans in Japan are actually allowed to attend professional baseball and soccer games in limited capacities. But of course, this amazing moment was preserved in a video, which I put a link to in the show notes so you can see this super weird, kind of eerie, but I guess still nice spectacle for yourself. That is it from me, though. I hope you all have a good weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday.